Welcome, Bears fans, to another episode of Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're two jamokes reading too deep into quips so you don't have to. Uh, we are um, going to try a couple of different things uh, for this episode. You know, it's kind of quiet out there right now, but there's always something to talk about. Jim, kick it off. Yeah, uh, just giving the particulars. You can follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore scat. Uh, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. And like Tom just alluded to, keep waiting for the Bears to do something. And they <laughs> haven't really since the draft. It's been a very quiet offseason. We've discussed at length the reasons for that. But it gives us an opportunity to overanalyze what we're thinking about the, the 2022 season, which actually isn't really that far away. I looked at the calendar the other day and I kind of did a double take when I realized, you know, we're really, what, a little little under two months away from training camp starting right. and we're going to be to the preseason and the regular season before we know it. So even though it's been a quiet off season for those of us that just love football and love watching the Bears, no matter how bad they are. It's it's going to be here before we know it. Well, and part of it is, you know, we have OTAs going on, so there's actually action going on uh, with the team. It's just that we're not privy to it. Exactly, and you can only learn so much from OTAs. The players don't really hit each other. Some of the players no aren't pads. really there. Some of the players aren't there at all. So it probably has a little bit more value when you're turning over an entire coaching staff or maybe it has less value when you consider that maybe a lot of these players aren't going to be here <laughs> long term but we've learned a little bit about Matt Eberflus I don't think anything too out of the ordinary the one thing that people are a little excited about is apparently he's stuck Jalen Johnson on the second team yeah. during OTAs so I don't know if you can read too much into that because I think Jalen Johnson's obviously going to be the starting cornerback week one, but maybe trying to send a message and making an example out of a player that has a lot of talent, but maybe, you know, had some moments last year where he certainly had some breakdowns and a couple of mental breakdowns too, from what I remember. There was a couple of plays where I just remember him almost, it looked like he gave up on the play and ended up giving up a a big completion. So. A lot of frustration on that team. Yeah, and, and, you know, obviously he was far from their biggest problem, but maybe they've picked him out as somebody that, like I said, they can make an example out of and just well, make the point that nobody's got a guaranteed spot. What I read is that, um, as that Eberflus addressed it, he said, uh, you know, don't read too far into this. Um, we just really wanted to get some other guys, uh, some reps. We know some, we, we got a pretty good picture of what Johnson is capable of. Um, he will be back in that one spot. Uh, but it was, it was a good chance for them to get some of those other guys. I guess, uh, Kendall Vildor, first of his name, got, uh, got out there and, Didn't uh, I see enough from him on tape last year. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so uh, a little, a little sidetrack. Um, one of the, uh, articles that I was, uh, recently perusing was, um, on the athletic, uh, Adam, uh, fish, fish, 
Fishbone, Fishbane, Kevin Fishbane, Kevin Fishbane, right? Um, He did uh, he did a roster breakdown too, and he uh, he not only talked about the players, but he also talked uh, from bottom from top to bottom of biggest need, biggest question marks around each position. Okay. And I didn't necessarily agree with how he laid the positions, but what I was uh, interested in was he uh, he still saw um, he, cornerback. He he had listed towards one of the not super big needs, but one of the things that he addressed on there, man, I'm taking a long time to get to this point, <laughs> uh, was just that uh, was a, what he was talking about nickel, okay. right? Yep. Um, okay, so we have. Jalen Johnson on one side, we have Kyler Gordon on the other side, and then we need uh, a nickel. And who who is that going to be? Right now, there's uh, this cluster of candidates, and you know, there's uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Kendall Vildor, yeah, and you've got Thomas Graham, uh, Tavon, Tavon Young, Young uh, and T- Tavon Young is the one that a lot of people seem to have penciled in as the starter. Yeah, well, he has experience and um so you know i could certainly see that um but i did you know one of the one of the players that i really think um might surprise coming out, out of training camp is thomas graham i still i still really like that pick um you know we we haven't really got a picture of what he can do uh, i mean he did have the one good you know sort of good game and then the next week he got absolutely destroyed but but I just I, I feel like he has the physical talents uh, to to be more than a nickel well and we don't necessarily know how Eberflus and his staff view the current defensive backs we're assuming that Jalen Johnson and uh, Kyler Gordon will be lined up on the outside but maybe they start Gordon off in the nickel roll maybe not maybe they slide johnson in there it's all up to their evaluation one thing that this staff knows how to do and they've proven that they have an ability to develop defensive backs including nickel corner so people like i said are penciling in young as the starting nickel back and he's a player that they signed from baltimore on a one-year deal and right he's got some experience and he's made some plays in the past but you know, he's on a one-year deal for a reason, too. So, yeah. it's not like he is going to come in The whole here. team is on a one-year yeah. deal. <laughs> so, it's, it's not like he's going to come in here and solve that problem for years to come. Um, well, maybe he will, but we can't assume that for now. So, <laughs> it, it's going to be interesting to see how that all comes together because they do have a lot of defensive backs on the roster right now. And right. Maybe they can get a little bit more out of players like Vildor or Duke Shelley. I think a lot of Bears fans are writing those players off, and maybe that's not fair. Maybe with some better coaching on the defensive side of the ball, they can be NFL players. I don't know that they're ever going to be starting caliber top-tier cornerbacks, but maybe they'll play a little bit better than they played last year. So everybody gets a fresh slate, including the defensive backs so uh defensive backs he had uh, out of 10 he had he listed it as 10 positions um he had defensive backs as number nine 
least in need. I mean, I think that's maybe says more about the state of the rest of the roster. Right. And, 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 <laughs> I mean, that is partially. But if, if I look at the, all the positions, if we look at the, all the positions top to bottom, I think we both feel pretty good about the secondary going into 2022. Right. I agree with that. And I don't even think it's necessarily a great unit. It's just it's better than the other position groups on the roster. <laughs> uh, I, the Bears have a lot of holes on this roster still. They do. I, I would assume he has offensive and defensive lines as number one and two, respectively, or res- uh, receivers. So, yeah, so uh, it's um, number 10 is running backs. Yeah. Uh, then um, nine defensive backs, eight linebackers, seven specialists. Six quarterbacks, five tight ends, four defensive ends, three defensive line, two offensive line, and of course, wide receiver. Yeah, we know that that was going to be number one. Okay, so tough to quibble with that. And I think the defensive backs, you know, that's an area that the Bears invested heavily in uh, with their draft capital, right? So I, I think. That is one of the position groups that I feel a little bit better about than some others. And like I said, that's not really even saying that I feel great about them. I just feel better than the other spots on the roster. Yeah. It's interesting. So we've spent the last couple episodes breaking down the position groups in detail. Right. And maybe what we can do on this episode is maybe take a little bit of a step back because it's really easy when you're going through position group by position group to say, oh yeah, that's somebody I'm interested in. That's somebody that could maybe flash. Maybe that's somebody that can outplay their contract. But when you take a step back and look at the roster more holistically, how do you feel after those last couple episodes where we went through group by group? You know, that's this is a really good thing to address. Now, you know, I mean, I got the nickname Angry Tom because I'm angry at the games. But um, the thing is uh, that I even have hope. And I feel like this is the best hope that we have had in a long time because of what we just went through for seven seasons, that guy was in charge. I mean, that in the NFL, that's a long time, right? This is what have you done for me lately, league, to the nth degree. More than probably any other sport. Except for the Bears. <laughs> and, you know, so in, the fact that he was able to stay there for that long... I mean, the fact that he didn't get fired just out over Mitch Trubisky is amazing, right? So, um, to me, this is a breath of fresh air. And I read both sides, and, you know, of course, there's a lot of negative commentary out there. You can look at it from the negative, or you can look at it from the positive. And I'm choosing to look at this through the positive, simply because I want to give the guys that are new, a chance. You know, we know that they're not going to be perfect, right? We didn't just hire Bill Belichick, okay? But we did hire a new 
uh, exciting coach. We did hire, at least from a certain perspective, he's an exciting coach. Mm -hmm. And we did hire one of the one of the up-and-coming young executives in the NFL, right? So I think we have a lot to look forward to. And for the first time in a million years, we actually are not going into the season wondering who's going to be the starting quarterback. I mean, that should be at least a glimmer of hope, right? I think so. And I was thinking about this the other day because when we went through the roster, I kept thinking to myself, you know, maybe this won't be so bad. And then I kind of took that step back and I was like, no, it's it's pretty bad. <laughs> the roster right now is got to be near the bottom of the NFL in terms of talent. Sure. But what you're saying about uh, breath of fresh air and hope looking forward, I don't even think has too much to do with who's currently on the roster. Yeah, it doesn't. It's that there's clearly a plan in place here. And the plan seems to be, let's take this year, get as much dead cap cleared off as we can. Right. We'll see what we Which can, he did. Yep, we'll see what we can do with fields. We'll see if we can bring in some players that are going to play on one-year contracts and maybe have an opportunity to earn a second contract with look the Bears. At, look at the draft, right? He was like, you know what? I'm going to go get a few guys that we really want and then I'm just going to trade down and get as many guys as I can. For this year, that made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, you've got to get more good football players. <laughs> right! One one way or another, right? And if that means taking more shots during the 6th and 7th round, then by all means, I'm all for that. What's going to be more painful, I think, is just watching this team play over the next 17 games it, and unless of course fields really takes a next step then it's not going to matter how bad the rest of the roster is you know if he's really good I don't think the Bears are a Super Bowl team I don't even think they're a playoff team necessarily but we'll have clear hope for the first time in my lifetime as a Bears fan that maybe there will be some sort of sustainably successful team out on the field because if you have the quarterback, then you can figure the rest of it out. It's the, that's the that's the the story in history. That's the story now, yeah. and it's the it's the thing that has um, you know has kept Bears fans going uh, because we have. I mean, there's literally only one other team who has had a, 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 such a poor record with quarterbacks. Than us, and that's the Browns. That's it. We're number thirty-one. You know, so the the fact that we're going into this season with a young, exciting player, it it changes my attitude about it. It really does, and I think that kid is really going to surprise some people. I really believe that. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of contrast it to how I felt at this time last year. Well, maybe not not this time, but last year leading up to the draft, it was as down on the Bears as I can ever remember being. Oh, shit! I just remember thinking, this team is mediocre, and it's going to be Andy Dalton or Nick Foles, and it's going to be a team that's going to finish around 500 with no hopes whatsoever of competing this year or the next few years. It's just going to be a lost year, and... 
That well, is. it was like when I first saw you last year, <laughs> and you said to me, you have two players at quarterback, and we're choosing, we're making the deliberate choice to start the shittier guy. <laughs> yep. And it ended up being a lost year anyway. But at least there was something to be excited about for a while. So I think this year, if nothing else, it's going to be really fun to watch Justin Fields. I hope they keep him healthy. I hope he's not getting pummeled behind this offensive line. And I think that he has a real chance to show some of that potential that we were all excited about when the Bears drafted him. You know, um, one thing, too, is uh, there's the X factors, right, of being an, on any sports team. Motivation and inspiration are still deadly traits. If you can have a team that has those two things and really believes in itself, they can ex- they can excel where they're supposed to fail. Well, definitely in football, you you definitely can get a little bit of a boost from having a good culture and being excited about playing every week. Absolutely. It's not going to take you from a bad team to a good team, but... It'll just make you more competitive. And I think those little moments, that's where I see it being a factor, is, you know, football, one little thing can make a, a big difference in the game, right? I mean... As opposed to the NBA, where you know you draft John ja Morant and he turns your whole team around, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, this is a situation. It's the most team-oriented game in the world, and but if you have a quarterback that can inspire that way and keep that mo that motivation going, it can make a difference. Absolutely, and. This coaching staff is, their entire message is effort and culture. That's what it comes across to me. So they're certainly going to be preaching that from day one. I'm sure they already are. And if you have an exciting young quarterback, that can go a long way to exciting everybody else in your building. The danger of that is if you start off 0-2 or 0-3, it's tough to continue getting everybody excited around the team culture when you're not winning. And and that's a really good point. And we could end up in that. It's very easy possibility that we could end up in that situation. Oh yeah. However, um, a real leader keeps teams together in those situations and says, you know, I I realize that we're not getting to where we want to be right now, but we got to keep fighting. And, and, at some level, I'm sure that the players realize, hey, you know, we're a little bit of the bad news bears right now. We're a bunch of nobodies who's never heard of, nobody's ever heard of us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to make a name for ourselves. You yeah. know, and that person, one of the players that I think is a perfect example of that is Justin Jones, right? Because I think that Justin Jones can be, really good for this team you you look at his knocks and it's mostly just that he hasn't he hasn't made it 17 games he hasn't made it 16 games right well you know this is a chance for him to come in and show yeah i am the guy i do deserve that next really big deal because i'm somebody to be dealt with 
And when he has played, he has played well. He hasn't been, you know, uh, Aaron Donald, but he, but he has played well. Yeah. And he could be a very good starter in the NFL. We just got to see which of those guys that we, out of this pile, you know, are going to be uh, those those guys that can make it to a, another level. Or they're just, you know, your your standard, you know, you're the lunchbox guy. Or maybe you're just uh, back out on the street. Yeah, and I, I think lunchbox guy is a good way to describe what a lot of this team is going to end up being. Sure. Is, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You've got a lot of young players or a lot of players that are like Justin Jones or Tavon Young that are on basically one-year prove-it deals. Right. So even if the team's bad, go out there, bust your ass, play well, and you'll earn a second, much bigger contract than what you have right now. And defense is a side of the ball where even if you're not necessarily the most talented group, you can overachieve by playing hard and being disciplined. And I think that's what this coaching staff's going to be preaching all year. Yeah. Where, where that doesn't always work as well as on the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> and Well, it would be more exciting than it was last year. Well, and Fields has the talent, right? You, you think at least he has I really think he does. Potential. He from all accounts, has the intangibles. Everything that is being reported about this new staff is that they are raving about him and his preparation and his work ethic and his leadership. So those are all really good things, and now it's just, is there enough talent around him to actually realize that potential on Sunday? And that's my biggest fear with this team is that the offensive line is not going to be very good. The wide receiving group isn't going to be very good. And it feels to an extent that he's out there by himself a little bit. Obviously, Darnell Mooney's a nice player. but right. Cole Komet's a nice player. But for the most part, it feels like they're at a very severe talent disadvantage on offense. So. Well, and um, so uh, s- uh, there was another a post on there, and maybe it was Fishbane again, but um, uh, it was about they were they were doing um, mailbag, and somebody mailed in, "Hey, do you think that the this year's Bears could be last year's Bengals?" Right? <laughs> and <No. laughs> it's like, I mean, that's a you know they they were talking about well, you know, the, there's not the talent level that the Bengals have, right? So. One of the things that we need to remember as Bears fans is that a lot of these teams that are around us, the former Bengals, the Jaguars, the Jets, um, you know, those teams have all been stacking high first round picks, Mm -hmm. right? We have not, you know, because we had the king of getting rid of first round picks guy in charge for seven seasons, right? Not to mention that we would continually win seven games every year. So we'd always end up in the middle, right? Well, you know, we didn't just get to draft Jamar Chase, right? We weren't in position to do that. No, instead we ended up with Byron Pringle, right? And Valus Jones. Well, we we got to just deal with that for a little while. It's it's we keep saying it over and over again. 
Uh, I'm not. I'm not happy with what we've got. But what else is there? Yeah, you you kick the can down the road enough, and at some point the chickens come home to roost. Right. So, so that's what we're seeing here is that after last year the Bears had well number one they had one of the smallest rosters in the NFL. I think after last year they had like. 40 players under contract. Yeah, it was the worst in the NFL. And they, So they had the fewest players under contract, and they had, I think, like the 10th least salary cap space. Yeah. So that means you're paying a lot of money to a lot, or sorry, to a lot of money to a small number of players, and you won six games. So yeah. you're not getting a whole lot of bang for your buck there. So... Yeah, it, once it, again, thanks, Ryan Pace. Yeah, exactly, and we know why that is, and a lot of it was poor decision-making for a number of years. Some of it even predates Ryan Pace. <laughs> so the thing is, you can't necessarily just unwind that all overnight. It takes time, and you talk about the Bengals. Not only did they have all those high draft picks, but last offseason, they spent a lot of money in free agency, and they spent very well. Right. They signed Trey Hendrickson, who was one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. They completely overhauled their offensive line and signed Riley Reef and ugh, the other guy's name is escaping me, but the point being, they had a lot of draft capital. They drafted well for a number of years. They spent a lot of money in free agency because they had cap room and they spent wisely. So, the yeah, Bears, and let's not forget that they've sucked forever. Yeah, and so when you talk about the Bears, they just aren't in a place where they were able to do that this year. That doesn't mean that they can't do that next year, and I think that's the plan because next year they'll have their full assortment of draft picks they might even end up with another pick if they trade robert quinn like we talked about last week and they're projected to have i think over a hundred million dollars of cap space so i think um they said in uh that guy over the cap.com he said like 97 million okay so but i mean easily number one right i mean that's that is a drastic difference from what we were just in, yeah. right? And we're we're going to get to have he's going to actually get to start the season with uh, the going into the draft with uh, a, a first round pick, right? I mean, there's there's going to be so many other things that he's not going to have to sit there and try and wade through and make up for, you know. Not to mention, and I think that this is a really good point. That this team will be seasoned for a year, right? And so we'll have a true picture of what the team has. I mean, that's the to me that has been the hardest thing about this off season is is like we don't even know what we've got. No, there's going to be a lot of times next year where we're watching the game and someone makes a play and you're like, yeah, who the hell is that? Right? Like, so that that's going to happen more than once. Yeah, can, yeah, that guy. Yeah. He is awesome. Yeah, it's like, I can't remember last year, but there was a guy out there running around and the Bears hadn't updated the website yet. So they had a guy that was like number 52 and they right. cut that guy and then they signed a new number 52 and we were all sitting around the bar like oh it's that guy and i'm like nope it's that's not, not that guy i have no clue who that is so there might be some moments like that this year too and that's just 
part of churning your roster. You know, and and that's not a bad thing. No. I mean, in in our current situation, that is not necessarily a bad thing. Do we want it to be this way? Of course not. But we had a guy in charge who said that he was going to build through the draft, which he didn't do. Correct. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully we've got a guy who says he's going to build through the draft, and he actually is going to build through the draft. Yeah. And, uh, and, and at least right now, it looks like that's the way he's going to move forward. Yeah, and the ultimate failure of Ryan Pace was he, he went all in before 2018, and the Bears missed the mark. Yeah. So once you go all in, it's pretty tough to recover from it when you fail. And I mean, there's one of the other things that, um, to me, fits uh, here is... There's been a lot of talk about the Ogunjobi thing, right? And it's like, I think he handled that as well as he could. He, They wanted to get the guy. They went right after him. He was a high-profile free agent. They get, went out right after him with a deal that was worthy. He was going to come. And then he failed his physical. That's not their problem. Yeah. And he wasn't far enough along in his recovery. I, I think that you could ask 100 Bears fans, and 99 of them would say... Ryan Pace would have still signed him. Yeah, and that's how you end up with a player that is not productive and (laughs) shows up to training camp and isn't practicing. And how many times have we gone through this with the Bears, where somebody's on the unable to perform list to start camp (laughs) and far too many? Yeah, they're like, "Oh, he'll be back. He'll be back," and then he never is back. And if he does play at all, he's bad and injured, and then the contract's a failure. I, I think to me, the bigger missed in the offseason was the guard from Buffalo. Yeah. The Bears wanted to sign his name, Ryan Bates. Is that the guy? Yep. And the Bears wanted to sign him. They signed into a contract. He was a restricted free agent, so Buffalo had the chance to match, and Buffalo did match. And to me, it's like, if you have... But that was a surprise. It was. I mean, you know, the talking heads out there said that Buffalo was not going to match. They weren't in the position to match for the guy. But they did anyway. Yeah, so it, it sounded like the Bears signed him to slightly above market value, and the Bills obviously thought he was worth that. But if you really want him, make an offer that for sure isn't going to get matched. But right. obviously everybody has a price, and we'll see how that deal ends up panning out for the Bills. But the offensive line would look a whole lot better with Ryan Bates. But that's besides the point. Um, and so let's slide into that just for a minute. Now, um, you know, of course, uh, you know, he had, I think our list, if we did this, you know, this position breakdown from uh, least worried to most worried, ours would probably be pretty similar to his. Um, obviously, the offensive line is, is a very big question mark right now because even the pieces that we know are going to go in a certain position. We don't know how they're going to play at that position because most of the players that are on the offensive line haven't played that much, right? Um, you know, I mean, really, the only uh, the 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 best picture we have of players is probably um, other than Cody Whitehair is probably Lucas Patrick um, because we 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 have a, a we have his offensive coordinator, right? Um, so. You know, we, we haven't seen very much of Tevin Jenkins. He didn't. He just didn't 
play that much last year. Right. You know, uh, Borum did get uh, some. You know, got a fair, pretty fair amount in, but you know, even he, I'm I'm pretty sure his play level wasn't in like above eighty percent of snaps. Pretty sure it wasn't there. No, because Matt Nagy was starting Jermaine Effetti over him. Right. You know. <laughs> I mean, so. So another total uh, another total breakdown last year that made this cloud that we just don't know what's going to emerge out of it, right? And of, you know, people are focusing on right guard. I'm not focused on right guard. I'm focused on the tackles. Yeah. That's what I want to see. Absolutely, the tackles are a complete mystery at the moment. We no, we're, we have an idea of who's going to be playing there, but like you said, we don't know how any of those players are going to play. Right. Especially if the plan is to start Borum at left tackle. He played okay last year, but he was playing right tackle. So yeah. that's a complete unknown. Tevin Jenkins, obviously, was... I mean, yeah, he he's supposed to be a good right tackle. Is he? Yeah, he hasn't played there in the NFL. <laughs> and we don't know. Behind that, they signed the guy from the Browns, and there's a couple other options, and obviously they drafted a ton of linemen, but it's a blob at the moment. It is. It's just, and it's nameless and faceless, well, right? The one potential mitigating factor is just because Fields is so athletic, maybe you can scheme around that a little bit, and you can get him out of the pocket, and... Maybe the offensive line isn't as much of an issue as it would be if you had like Nick Foles or Mike Glennon back there. So wait, haven't we? Oh, uh, we've seen that, and so we'll see. I mean, it it seems like Luke Getzey, the offensive coordinator, is a smart guy. He isn't going to be dropping Fields back behind a paper mache offensive line. I wouldn't think. I, I think they'll try to scheme around that a little bit and run the ball quite a bit and you know if that keeps fields upright and prevents him from getting injured this year then I'm all for it because that's the worst case scenario right is if he goes down then we're looking at a horrible season <laughs> yeah I mean obviously uh injuries affect every team and you know that goes for all 32 starting quarterbacks right I mean because um, any, you know, if Tampa Bay loses Tom Brady, uh, you know, their, their season's in the, in the pot too. Yeah. So, um, you know, 12 and Green Bay goes down, they might as well just kill themselves. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, so, I mean, that goes for every team. Obviously what we want to see is we want to see him go out and play 17 games. I want to see him take every single snap of every single game. Um, and we then we can get a clear picture of what he's about. Um, you know, he's not going to have to go and learn an entirely new offense again next year. Um, one thing that you can look at with Peyton Manning, with uh, Aaron Rodgers, with Tom Brady, all of those guys got into an offensive system right from their first snap and stayed in those offensive systems. That was one of the things that Cutler never had the luxury of. He went through six different offensive coordinators when he was with the Bears, right? And people wondered why he never got it. You know, well, it was like, yeah, he had to learn a new offense every single year. Right? Yeah, it's kind of like a chicken or the egg thing. It's Cutler kept having new offensive coordinators because he was bad, so the <laughs> offensive coordinator would get fired. And so, it, it was he bad because the offensive 
because the offense kept changing or did the offense keep changing because he was bad? We'll, I mean, we'll never know. But, we'll never know. But it's, it's, the point is obviously true. Right. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's a combination of a lot of things. And I'm not saying that made them great. They were going to be great players, right? But I'm just saying that having that security of being able to go and develop a super deep knowledge of what you're doing, you're almost like a coach on the field, right? Because you, you develop a you develop a a, a, a a kinship with that coach where you know they know what you're doing and you know what they're doing. Yeah, and it's obvious that if the system remains the same year over year, that's just an easier situation for the quarterback. I mean, yeah. think about any job. It, the systems that I worked with every day exactly turned over every six months. That would be annoying, and it would be frustrating to have to learn one thing, especially when you talk about being an NFL quarterback and the level that you have to know that offense and how many just hundreds of hours that you have to study and learn the plays and be able to communicate them efficiently. Obviously, if that keeps changing, that would not benefit any quarterback, I wouldn't think. so. Right. I, I think... The, the thing the, I think this coaching staff is going to do a better job of putting him in a position to be successful. I certainly think so. I mean, it, it, it would be hard to do a worse job in, than Matt Nagy in last fairness, year. But I, I think we'll be pleasantly surprised with that. I have a feeling we're going to see an offense that might not put up a ton of points, but looks a little bit more efficient and looks like there's a plan from one play to the next. That was always the thing with Matt Nagy is. It felt like even when they had a couple of nice plays in a row, he would call some weird trick play that was destined to fail. Yes. It always felt like it was impossible to get into a rhythm because any time they would get going, he would get in his own way. So He always called them at the weirdest times, too. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, we got a good drive going. Okay, let's throw one of these into it. Let's do the the toss to the short side with no blockers. <laughs> right. The the Olin Krutz favorite. So I, I hope that we're doing less complaining about that type of stuff this year. Yeah. And I think we will be because Luke Getze is not Matt Nagy from everything we've heard. It seems like he's a, a pretty bright, flexible guy that is highly thought of around the league. And Matt Nagy... I think was highly thought of as a coach, but I don't think he was necessarily highly thought of as a play caller. And I think that's something that I realize a lot more in hindsight is just because he was an offensive guy, he never had the reputation of offensive genius. No. So, you know, we've talked about him enough, but yeah, I, I am cautiously, cautiously with the Bears is always the keyword optimistic sure. about what this offense might look like. Even if it's not great, I think it'll be more suited to fields, and I think it'll put him in a better position to succeed and develop. Also, you know, one of the things that I also like is that um, everybody is new, right? It's it's like a whole group all together, all starting from zero together. And gr- that means they're all going to grow together. And I think that is going to benefit the team as a whole a lot more than Bears fans are expecting because we're not used to seeing it that way. 
we're used to seeing, okay, uh, you know, regime, um, okay, uh, new quarterback with old offensive coordinator with the, with the head coach and new GM. I mean, you know what I mean? Well, it, it seems like we're always mixing and matching. Well, right? And that's always been my gripe with the Bears. I think the last time they had a new quarterback, head coach, and GM all in the same year was like, Wanstead and Kramer and I don't even remember who the GM would have been but that was always a problem that there was never any continuity in the hiring process because I don't think we had a GM then uh, maybe we didn't but um it was always weird where Bears hire Ryan Pace and then they kind of stick him with John Fox and then they carry Cutler over right yeah or that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, they fire uh, Fox and Pace hires Nagy, and then they stick Nagy with Mitch Trubisky. And I think it's kind of proven out that neither, well, Nagy, I don't think ever believed in Trubisky, and that relationship never seems to work. And you go back to when they fired Lovey, and they, or sorry, when they hired Phil Emery, and they told him, well, you got to keep Lovey. Yeah. And, then he keeps Lovey for one year, fires Lovey, which is probably what he wanted to do all along, and obviously we know who he hired. Yeah. Um, that ended up to be a terrible failure, but at some point you have to have some continuity in that cycle, and if you hire the GM, that GM should have the ability to hire their coach, and I know he didn't draft Fields, but... For all intents and purposes, Fields, I think, is a rookie this year. Me too. I think everybody's considering last year a wash. I, I, I haven't seen. Now, you know, you do read some of these pieces uh, on the internet, and they do talk about, well, you know, his numbers were, were really terrible when you look at him. And if you just look at him as pure statistics, they're not very good. Yeah, he had a bad year. But, but it, it, there was so many mitigating factors there that I just and I think you can't even look past just the first part of it that we used the 10 pick on him and uh, or the 12 pick and you know he he comes into camp and he's just like a side note yeah you know I mean his head coach immediately comes out and says Andy Dalton is our number one quarterback. What kind of vote of confidence is that? Well, the whole thing was weird to begin with. It, and everything, it was all weird. Yeah, and it's hard enough to be a rookie in the NFL when everything is stacked in your favor. And it felt like everything was stacked against, against him. him. And he didn't get any reps with the first team in preseason or in camp. He didn't start the year as the starter. And it would be one thing if anybody thought Andy Dalton was better, but he obviously wasn't. <laughs> he, he, he may have been better at running Matt Nagy's offense, but he wasn't the more talented quarterback. I mean, literally no one thought Andy Dalton was better. No, and I, I think Nagy wanted him because he realized that he's a veteran. He's probably able to digest my playbook a little bit more, but that was always the issue with Matt Nagy. It's it's not about 
maximizing your playbook. It's about maximizing the offense and scoring points. Yes. And Nagy obviously never did that. That's why he got fired. But the whole thing was terrible from the beginning. It never made any sense to me, and it obviously didn't work. And Fields' numbers were bad last year. And I don't want to absolve him completely of blame because... Absolutely not. There were plenty of moments where he held onto the ball too long or he fumbled the ball, and he's got to clean that up, and some of that you can chalk up to rookie mistakes, and it's on him to not have those same lapses his second year, but I certainly also think that he wasn't put in a position to be successful. I, 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 I agree with all of that wholeheartedly, and I also think that that this young man does not look at, it's just my belief, you know, of course the, the, the team is going to say all kinds of nice flowery things, right? But it's just my belief that that young man does not look at last year like he did a good job. Oh, no. He looks at it for what it was and realizes that's not the player I am. Nobody, nobody got to see the real player I am, but this year, they're going to get to see the player I am. Well, and I'm sure somebody in the building's telling him that, whether it's the quarterback's coach or whether it's Luke Getze. I'm sure they've sat down together and watched every play from last year. Yeah. And I'm sure that they've talked about what he did well, what he did poorly, and what he can do better. And like I said, all the reports are that the coaching staff's very excited about him. And that's another odd thing this offseason has just been the number of different national reporters that have come out and said something to the effect of, wow, the Bears haven't invested anything in the offense. That means they're not sold on Justin Fields. That, that was, those ones really bug me. It makes no sense. Yeah. If, if it were true that they didn't like Justin Fields, then I think they would have traded him. It, yeah. ma- it makes no sense to set him up for failure and then... Next year, he's not worth anything, and that's just uh, another first-round pick that the Bears They want. could have easily traded him for a first-round pick this year. Easily. Yeah, I mean... Probably more than that, because the crop of quarterbacks was as awful as, it's ha- as it has been. Oh, every draft analyst I saw said that if Fields came out this year, he would have been the first overall pick. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there's no question. Yeah, he, he was so such a better prospect than Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral or any of the other quarterbacks. So they could have easily gotten a second-round pick, maybe even a first, like you said. So if they really didn't think he was the guy, it would have been an unpopular position, but I would hope that they would have had the autonomy to trade him if that's really what they felt. Now, you know, um, there is that there is that buzz that, well, you know, if he does, you know, crash and burn this year, well, there's, you know, two super high-rated quarterbacks coming out next year. Well, I, I am of the opinion that if he does crash and burn, um, if the regime, if the head coach and the GM agree that it's time to move on, and if he crashes and burns, that means we're going to have a top five pick, right? Oh, yeah. Well, if that's the case, then we do that. Uh, I, I don't disagree with what the Cardinals did. Uh, a few years ago, you know, with um, with Kyler Murray, right? Uh, they 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 drafted um, uh, Josh Rosen Rosen from Wyoming or wherever UCLA. Was he from UCLA? Yeah. Okay. So um, and you know they um, 
he was terrible, right? So the very next year, they had the first overall pick, so they drafted a quarterback again. Mm-hmm. I got no problem with that. No, but the the number of reporters that have seemed to suggest that they're just planning to tank this year, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Because that, that's a stupid storyline. If, if to they me. if they wanted to tank, they could have guaranteed that they got <laughs> one of those first two picks by trading Justin Fields, and then. Here's Trevor Simeon for 17 games. Right. And you're going to win two games, and then you can draft one of those quarterbacks. So <laughs> that narrative doesn't make any sense to me. I think it's probably just a byproduct of the fact that the Bears aren't really very good. So when Somebody was being critical that they brought Nathan Peterman in. Who gives a shit? <laughs> it's not like he's a camp body. That happens every year. Yeah, he's not going to make the team. No, I mean, and that's not what he's there for. He's, he's, it, he's, we bring in you know, every every team in the NFL brings in random players every year. You need someone to fill time in these preseason games. Yeah, they're I mean, not going to be playing Fields in the preseason this year. I wouldn't think. Uh, I think he's going to probably get a little time. Oh, yeah, a couple drives in each yeah. game, but you need someone to play the second half. You don't. Right. You don't want Fields or Simeon out there. You know, so it's the it's the same. It, all, all, all we're saying is it's the same thing every year. You know, you bring in a bunch of guys that aren't going to make the team, but they have to have camp bodies out there, and that's what they do. Yeah, absolutely. And I haven't really given Nathan Peterman a second thought, he, to be he, honest with you. you know, yeah, exactly. I mean, um, it, you know, he won't even be a practice squad guy. Uh, so, you know, they'll, they'll probably um, bring back, uh, they'll probably keep one of the young quarterbacks uh, as a, as a practice squad guy, so you know you can develop somebody. Yeah, maybe. So if the Bears are playing their third string quarterback, then all hope is yeah, lost. Yeah, anyway. exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're 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 back to that. I mean, if 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 Fields goes down, I think we're all of the opinion that we're doomed. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, nobody's going to be looking at Simeon coming on the field, hoping that he can resurrect his career. You know, we 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 got the guy because he has some NFL experience. He has played decently uh, in games. He's obviously a career backup, and he's a Chicago boy. So you know that that was you know that's why you you bring that kind of player in. Yeah, exactly. If he's playing, the Bears are going to lose that game. Yeah, I mean if, they didn't like go out and get give up a whole bunch to get him. No. I mean, you know, he was involved in that, right? Wasn't that Denver and Houston? Yeah, and the Bears, um, with this team, if, if, if Trevor Simeon, I I don't haven't followed his career that closely. I know he didn't play very well last year with the Saints, but on a team like this, if you're playing the backup, you're in big trouble. So yeah. he, he's not there to play. He's there, hopefully, to hold a clipboard and help Fields learn and just be that veteran backup that can kind of be as the, the secondary coach and kind of the quarterback's buddy. So This year is all about number one. And it's just as you were saying, if that kid plays the way we hope that he can, this team is going to be better than people think simply because you're going to have a good starting quarterback. Good starting quarterback is not something that Bears fans get to say very often. No. So, and it would be the case of a good young starting quarterback, right? So, I mean, yeah, it will make a huge difference. Um, But, 
we that's you know that's the that's the biggest butt of all right is we is we've got to see what we have in this kid if if it if he plays the way we hope it's going to open up so many opportunities and doors and roads for the bears uh, they're going to have him on his rookie deal, and they're going to be able to go out and make those significant additions, just like what was supposed to happen with Khalil Mack, except we didn't actually have a franchise quarterback when they did that. Yeah, if Fields is really good this year, then the Bears are not going to have any problem attracting free agents in 2023. No, not at all. they're going to have a ton of money, and they're going to have a young, exciting quarterback that looks like the next franchise quarterback for the Bears, or should I say the first franchise quarterback for the Bears. <laughs> next implies that we've had one. So, And uh, yes, the offensive line and the wide receiver group, we know they're all giant question marks. They're going to struggle. They're mostly all young, and the ones that aren't young, they're un, they're, they've played minimally. No, Byron Pringle is not the same as bringing in Jamar Chase. But... You know what? I like Byron Pringle as a player, though. What I looked at from his statistics, he was a solid player. He's a he is in that position. Whether he would have come to the Bears or not, he is a, one of those players that lots of teams, I'm sure, were looking at, going, "Hey, this guy could be something, right?" Um, and you know, it's we didn't have to spend a, a lot of money uh, to bring him in. So if if he does turn out to be just uh, you know a Four, number four or five or whatever, they didn't waste a lot on it. Yeah, it's an NFL wide receiver. And- I'll tell you what, there's going to be some teams that are going to be sorely mistaken this year on some of the money that they spent on on some of the players that got a big, big contracts because some of those guys are not going to turn out. No, of course not. So it's keeping your powder dry and it's setting up for 2023. That's the plan and hopefully... Byron Pringle, Equinemius St. Brown, they're going to surprise us. I, th- I think one of those guys is going to have a nice year. Yeah, and, you know, uh, it, you know, there was so much talk, there still is talk about Equinemius St. Brown. I think that the fact that the guy who was the quarterback's coach on the same team for the last four years uh, was the one that recommended that we go get him, I think that means something. And I also think that it's a factor that we didn't have to pay him hardly anything to come. So, I mean, it's not like they went again and made a significant investment. They just said, the offensive coordinator said, hey, you know what? I think we should bring this kid in. He's got the size. He's got the physical. He's got the speed. I think that he was in number 12's doghouse, which he certainly isn't the first guy to end up in number 12's doghouse, right? If you weren't if you weren't a favor of Rodgers, it wasn't a secret. You didn't play, right? Yeah. You you were forgotten on the field. You weren't getting the ball. But I'll tell you what, it's something when you go look at Devontae Adams' numbers because his first four seasons in the NFL, he was mediocre. Oh yeah, I think that it took him a while to break out. I mean, he was a second round pick, so everybody knew he had talent, but it didn't materialize right away. It didn't. I mean, he. he uh, you don't have to believe us. All you have to do is go look at his numbers. I mean, his last three years, outstanding, right? But before that, he, he really wasn't. And, you know, uh, a certain player about three years ago named Jordy Nelson, who was a super favorite of Rodgers, went adios right about that time, right? I mean, 
you, you always had to be all over Nelson. I mean, the guy looked like he was a superstar. Then he left and nobody remembered him. He had that invisibility cloak whenever he would play the Bears. <laughs> Just, oh, there's Jordy Nelson standing in the end zone with the ball again. And three Bears defensive backs are looking at each other trying to figure out how he got there. But, you know, uh, I think, uh, to me, uh, Rodgers is uh, maybe the best example of, you know, he'll make you look really good. And then when you leave... It's like suddenly they disappear. I mean, it happened multiple times. So, um, but, you know, regardless, uh, we, you know, the, the biggest question marks are certainly those two groups. We, we, hope for the, we hope for the best, but we might as well, you know, also look at it as well. It could be the worst. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's certainly major bust potential here. I don't know that there's necessarily boom potential, but... Hopefully it's going to be a little bit better than we think. I'll tell you what, though. I'll bet this wide receiver group is cheaper than the one that we had last year. And the one we had last year was awful. Oh, I think the wide receivers will be better than what we had last year. Oh, and that's not even counting the fact that we paid a guy who had 29 catches $18 million last year. (laughs) Was that that grand? I don't don't even care what they... What excuse they come up with for Robinson? Oh, anymore. Robinson. Okay, you know, I thought you were talking about Graham. I'm like, there's no way he had 29 no, catches. No, <laughs> I mean, literally, Byron Pringle had more catches and more yards than than Robinson did. Well, money well spent by Ryan Pace once again. Yeah. So you know, uh, it, it, like, like I said, they can make up any excuse they want about what happened with Robinson. The simple fact of the matter is, he got paid a fortune and he didn't produce at all. So. Um, but, uh, you know, not to digress back to, again, back to next year. I'm, that's one of the, one of the things that I'm looking at as far as, you know, looking at a glimmer of hope, right? Is that a, a lot of these guys are those guys that it's like, I never got my shot, right? I've never really had a chance to be the guy and they're going to give them a chance to be the guy. Some of those guys are going to snag it and run. Others are going to be like, well, no, we, we are what you thought you were. Yeah, exactly. And. That's why, hopefully, buy-in won't be an issue. Because you've got a lot of players here that are trying to prove themselves to some degree. It's not like last year when you were bad and old. And to me, actually, the fact that the team stayed together and was still playing at all down the stretch was a minor miracle when you looked at how veteran laid <laughs> in that team was. But... You're not going to have that issue this year. There's going to be a lot of guys trying to run around, trying to make their name in the NFL. That's what makes Quinn's record such a freak record. Oh, if I were that guy, I would have been... I would have been... Can you imagine how much money you would have made if you would have gone to Vegas and said, yeah, I want to bet that uh, Quinn has 18 sacks and sets the Bears' all-time record for sacks. Yeah, if I were Quinn, I would have been just chilling in a penthouse <laughs> in downtown Chicago after, like, week two last year. I mean, but... he, he, he just... It, when you look at that record, it's always going to be like... Remember how weird that year was? Yeah. How did he end up doing that? He had no support around him. You know? Yeah, that's going to be a, a good way to win a bar bet or two in a couple years because nobody's going to remember that oh, he has that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so we uh, Bears fans, we're getting ready to close out here, but uh, we are going to start a new uh, a new segment called Piles, and uh, we want uh, we want you. 
uh, as uh, fans of the show to to chime in on Twitter uh, or send us an email. Little factoids or things that you think are interesting about the team. What we want to do is we want to collect those each week and then uh, we're going to do uh, little blurbs about them uh, at at the end of each episode. And this week, Jim has one. Yeah, so this was a tweet that made its way around uh, a couple of days ago. It's from Doug Farrar, who's an NFL editor for USA Today, and he tweeted the following. Justin Fields had the highest NFL passer rating with last year with 138.5 rating on designed rollouts. And, of course, the Bears called designed rollouts 19 total times. <laughs> Matt Nagy is awful. So... Interesting tidbit. I actually never would have guessed that he did that well on plays where he was getting out of the pocket. I mean, 19 times is a fairly small sample size, but I think that's just... It's a very small sample size. Yeah, but I think that's just more reason to be encouraged, right? Because what did Ryan Poles talk about? When you're developing players, the goal is to find what they do well and prioritize that, which seems, seems obvious, but definitely not what Matt Nagy did so hopefully they've identified that as an area where maybe he is comfortable and feels that maybe that's uh, part of the offense to emphasize so. and, and I and I, I I think that is the perfect focus for this right because I, I think that is exactly how Eberflus and how uh, Getze are looking at this is we've got to do the things that that go to the strengths of this young man. We want him to be a success. We want him to be the best in the NFL. He has talents that not everybody has. So take advantage of those. And that right there, even though it is a small sample size, does show, hey, this is a spot where we should be looking and saying this is a talent that not everybody has. Yeah, it's a small sample size, but it's still almost a perfect passer rating on 19 attempts. So yeah. it's not like it's 3. Yeah, I mean you it's still a, it's still a statistic that stands out enough that you're you're like intrigued right away when you hear it. Like, oh wow, he wow, out of all the guys out there, all the top quarterbacks in the NFL, he was he was in that spot? Yeah, and that's considering Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and all of the quarterbacks that you think of as being those dynamic Hell, Rodgers! Yep. I mean, one of the things about Rodgers is we forget Rodgers does a lot of damage outside the pocket. Yeah, so it's something we complained about a lot last year that the Bears didn't do more of that, so... I was happy to see that statistic come across my Twitter timeline because it meant that we weren't just making stuff up. and <laughs> That's always good, right? So, uh, anyway, that's our show for uh, this week. Uh, we, um, we hope you guys uh, chime in on uh, Twitter and uh, uh, bear down. Yeah, and if you find an uh, interesting nugget or tidbit that's floating around on Twitter, go ahead and tag us in it. We're always looking for more interesting observations about the bears kind of to the effect of what i just read so thanks for listening follow us on twitter at bears underscore scat and we'll talk to you next week